Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchful News. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the state of the race to replace Kevin McCarthy. Number two, Senate Republicans take on McCarthy's demise. And number three, Senator Ben Cardin flexes in his new role as Senate Foreign Affairs Chair. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Wow. You know, where to even start here? Yesterday was a a pretty stunning day. Uh, Among stunning days as we've covered House Republicans uh, for a very long time, but Kevin McCarthy's ouster and then quickly uh, people move on to try to figure out who is going to replace him. Uh, There's a bit of a void here because the elections aren't going to take place until next week. Yeah, there is. Uh, let's be clear here. McCarthy's done. Um, and, and I'm not saying that as a uh, as a uh, insult or anything, but it's 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 the Republican conference has moved on. Even his allies have moved on um, to figuring out who the next speaker will be. The next speaker um, race is next Tuesday. So uh, sorry, the, the forum is next Tuesday. That's a week from yesterday. The election, the internal party election is next Wednesday. Anybody, everybody who's running is going to have a tough time getting 218. Um, there's no question about that. The, the leading contender, I would say, is House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. Why? The incumbent has a lot of advantages in the Republican, in a, a race for leadership. And you and I have been covering these things for a long time. And um, you, if you have an operation, if you have a um, uh, allies, if you know how to do these things, you have the the advantage. But let's be clear here: Scalise hasn't run a competitive race since 2014 when he beat Peter Roskam, and even that wasn't really that competitive of a race, to be honest with you. Um, it was slightly competitive. Scalise put him away quite quickly. So um, now we have to start considering Scalise, and we also have to start thinking about Jim Jordan for a lot of reasons here. Um, Jim Jordan is being pushed to, uh, by his people around him, let's say, to run for speaker. He told CNN's Manu Raju yesterday that it'll be a decision for the conference uh, uh, if he runs, which, by the way, that means he's running, <laughs> in my view, but we'll have to see. He hasn't said he's running yet. Um, and um, the uh, it will be difficult, Anna, for either Scalise or Jim Jordan to capture um, moderate votes. Like the moderate majority makers are going to have a tough time with Scalise and with Jordan. Uh, I just think that you know they're gonna the, the majority makers the new york republicans the pennsylvania the philadelphia area uh brian fitzpatrick all these folks are going to want somebody to confront the right and um the the eight republicans who booted mccarthy out of the speakership that is the reality and we'll have to see who's willing to do that anna what say you yeah 
I, I want to say a couple things because I think it's really important. Yes, incumbent advantage definitely matters. But I think the thing you we haven't touched on here, we talk about in the in the AM newsletter that's really important is I think there's two things. One, Scalise is a holdover of a McCarthy era. The two have had their own internal problems and fights. Um, but it's not as if picking him would change the course dramatically. And so I think he's going to have to make the case of how he is different than McCarthy while also not throwing McCarthy under the bus because there are certainly uh, many members of the Republican uh, conference who wanted McCarthy, you know, and didn't want to be going down this path. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing with Scalise is his health. Uh, you know, he's got a very, very serious uh, cancer. And so kind of making, you know, his ability to assuage any concerns that that is going to be an issue in terms of being able to kind of take on such a, an intense job. Uh, and the third thing that, you know, I think we always look at as an indicator and, and typically we've seen everybody kind of rise to the challenge in terms of the actually getting the job done, but it's fundraising, you know, Kevin McCarthy was a master fundraiser. He beat, you know, Paul Ryan's records. Paul Ryan beat John Boehner's records. But, you know, you're in a five-seat majority. House Republicans are going to need to raise a lot, a lot of cash uh, and fast. And so does Scalise have the wherewithal and the ability to fundraise, you know, every single week and be on the road away from his family. Those are, I think, the three kind of challenges he has when it looks at when he's kind of looking across the conference that he's going to have to make the case for. And I do think I think Jim Jordan, you know, he is long, long been uh, somebody who's trying to move up in the conservative ranks. Um, a lot, you know, I think looks if you look at what he's done in his his post uh, at the committee level, you know, th this is going to be something that uh, is going to be very interesting to watch because if Jordan again hasn't run this kind of a, a leadership race, has kind of sat back, let McCarthy do his thing, but you know, if he make tries to make a really strong bid here, all of a sudden the race becomes much closer uh, and and certainly not guaranteed for Scalise. That's right. Um... And also look out for a moderate to run. Um, it's going to be tough, but look out for someone to run. Now, just, listen, the current Speaker of the House, I never thought I would say these words, is Patrick McHenry. He's the <laughs> Speaker pro tem, uh, has a security detail and all that entails. He, um, uh, Politico had a nice scoop yesterday. He kicked Nancy Pelosi out of her offices in the Capitol, which was a... Uh, is just direct retribution from McCarthy. I mean, I don't need to do any reporting on that to know that McCarthy must have had a hand in that. Um, uh, so uh, McHenry, they, people would have to beg um, for him to do it. He has a jo the job he wants. House Financial Services Chair, um, he is a... Um, but he would be an interesting person to watch, especially vis-a-vis -vis Scalise. He and Scalise have a rough history uh, for many reasons uh, that we don't have to go into here, but um, he would be interesting. So uh, the, the interest. So the Texas delegation has a lunch at eleven o'clock today. Tony Gonzalez, the chair or the um, one of the most prominent Republican members from Texas, uh, has already endorsed Scalise, um, and uh, we will see who is able to capture that big 
uh, block of Republican votes. They probably will not make a decision today. But anyway, very interesting nonetheless. All right. We will be covering every uh, twist and turn here. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning, which uh, is a look by Andrew Desiderio uh, at the Senate and how Senate Republicans are just kind of aghast uh, after this small minority of the House Republican conference booted uh, Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. I think there is just kind of that natural tension that we often see between the Senate feeling like the House isn't a serious place. But I think it's also you really see the kind of zoom out on the impact this could have for Republicans writ large going into the 2024 cycle if they can't get their ducks in a row, raising questions, as Tom Tillis says, you know, about whether or not Republicans can govern. Uh, that's a good question, Anna. <laughs> I think that's fair to, and it's also fair to say that there's 45, 40 something days I haven't counted until a government shutdown. And we have a House Republican conference that's taken the week off. They're out for the week and doesn't have a speaker. So like what? And by the way, a Republican conference that's not going to take an on the bus probably won't take a minute mini bus. You know, it's just this is a this is a big it's a big mess. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, this is a big mess. And I think the Senate Republicans are just going to continue to split here with House Republicans um, because this is this is just a mess, and I don't know where, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know where the governing goes from here. Let's put it that way. I mean, I think that's that is a uh, that's an obvious takeaway from this. What do you think? Yeah, and I think I would just say also, I think the big, you know, this just shows another the divide widening between where the House is, in particular, House Republicans, and where Senate Republicans are. Right? They are going to want to in forty four days find a pathway forward on government funding. They want to kind of have some of this Ukraine funding. They want to have disaster relief. They want to move forward on things. Um, And I think, you know, just the fact that you have so many Republicans on the record in the Senate saying like, what is happening, guys? You need to get your act together. Um, And it just showcases, you know, how in what starkly different places uh, Senate Republicans are from the House Republicans. And, you know, it's it's hard to see them come together on this stuff. Yeah, it, they really are in a, in a different mind mindset as well. And just, I think, the impact and the psychosis of what this means for having a Trump at the top of the ticket and having House Republicans in such a chaotic state of affairs um, really weighing on Senate Republicans. Yeah, I think that's right. I just think if you're betting on the shutdown now, you're making the right bet, to be honest with you. I know I said that before, but I think that's... I think that's just that's just the case. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> that's one of the number three story of the morning. Interesting look here. Uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chair Ben Cardin, the Democrat from Maryland, announced Tuesday he would block U.S. military aid to Egypt, citing the country's deteriorating human rights record. Fascinating development here. Jake, he did not mention uh, the indictment of Senator Bob Menendez, whom Cardin replaced as chair of the powerful panel, um, but certainly uh, the backdrop of Menendez being accused by federal prosecutors of accepting bribes to take official actions to benefit the Egyptian government is not lost, uh, certainly not lost on us. Yeah, um, this is a fascinating thing, especially given, especially given the um, the uh, uh, indictment of Bob Menendez doing the opposite, pushing for USAID to Egypt. Uh, 
shows that Carden's not going to be a, a placeholder. He's taking this role on for um, uh, for real. Um, and uh, uh, listen, our, our relationship with Egypt has been complicated. Congress has been in the middle of it. So uh, very fascinating to see. All right, one quick thing uh, we want to announce. We've got a new event on Thursday, October 19th at 8.30 a.m. I'm going to be joined with Andrew Desiderio for a conversation with Representative Andrew Gabarino, the Republican from New York on cybersecurity and AI. This is an event that is part of our exciting new digital platform that launched Tuesday, The Future of Cybersecurity. I encourage you to check that out at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.